Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Any man fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. talking earlier about drummers, mm. 70s drummers. Maybe yes. you've just been inspired by, by Keith Moon. Keith Moon, jump on the rest. Maybe maybe not quite his lifestyle. But, no, uh, avoid. Yeah. Hey, we're here. Um, and uh, maybe the first thing we do is I put my cover on my microphone oh, so we're to do that, yeah. safe in here. Uh, is uh, say apologies for last week. It was, a, it was yeah, last week was... Uh, was uh, the sounds of um, um, pre-recorded music. Play- yeah. I think we're called playlisting in the biz. Yes, we had a little bit of a, a COVID scare here at Triple R. So um, yeah, big did. ups to our fearless leaders, Beck Hornsby, Dave Hoochin, who hold us to try and figure out how to keep Triple R on the air when presenters couldn't attend the studio. The deep clean that took place and uh, and um, applaud the integrity of, yeah. uh, of the system and the protocols and the way they work. So that was the reason why uh, we're all good now. The place is sparkling. Actually, this place has never been no, so clean. It really has. <laughs> the last two years, <laughs> this place has shined. So, anyway, that's um, that's why we were not here. Uh, Matt Stedman, you're here. Cam Smith. Acknowledgement of... Uh, good to be here in Brunswick, as always. Oh, my God. It's good. And, um, yeah, and it's, thank you for all the other shows. We're going to move on because there is a lot to get through. Today's yes. show, um, we throw bouquets... Bouquets, bouquets, bouquets. Yes. Um, and uh, the one who is going to be hmm, the first uh, recipient of the bouquet, mm. even though I know she's going to be going, don't talk about me, <laughs> uh, Danny Vallant, who yes. uh, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival has uh, announced is uh, a very, very worthy communica- communicator and educator legend. And uh, we're going to talk quickly about the recipients of said awards. Yes. And um, it's a great list of people. My yeah. God, great human beings. So uh, we're going to have a chat about that. And also Danny has got an uh, article coming out in uh, The Age, I think Tuesday, but she'll tell us mm-hmm. uh, more about that in regard to wages and staff. Which is a big issue. We were saying, what we've been saying for the whole pandemic. It's you know, the gorilla. Once, this isn't the end of it for hospitality. This is just the start of a new phase. And mm. I was interested to see uh, via Danny's Twitter during the week a conversation around, you know, good leading hospitality providers in, in Melbourne not being able to open seven days a week. So they're, they're keen to go. They've got everything. You know, the, the cupboards are stocked with food. Yeah. But they just can't find the staff to uh, operate seven days a week, which is a... 
huge issue after, what, 200-plus days of no trade. Indeed. And it, I don't know why, but it, I'm, I'm getting this vision of Donkey Kong. Oh, really? Yeah, but the big, the, the big gorilla up the top going boom, boom, boom. You remember how that starts? <laughs> yeah. dun, dun, dun. That's the big gorilla in mm. the room that mm. needs to be addressed and uh, we are going to be looking into that. Another one of the worthy recipients of that is Joost Bakker. Yes. And he is a sustainability champion. We're going to have a chat to him uh, at, uh, at his place up in Monbog, mm-hmm. which we're uh, looking forward to doing. And uh, also the fact that uh, Greenhouse, the future food systems down there at Fed Square, is doing tours, and I'm doing them with yeah. them. So there's a really interesting collaboration. So we're going to give that a little bit of love. Yep. And uh, then thinking, drinking. Yep. But in a different style. That's right. In a different <laughs> style. Uh, we are going to have the international man of coffee mystery, yep. Justin Metcalf. Um a man who knows coffee at uh, the micro, the macro level, the man who's made relationships with people all around the world, who's mm-hmm. travelled down the, the you know the dusty roads to get to coffee plantations to yes. get great bags of coffee, world barista, judge, um, um, a master blender. Look, he, he knows about coffee, and we're going to talk about where coffee is mm. in um, in far as economics, climate change. Uh, procurement um, and the price that it's going to cost you yeah. and maybe what sort of bean you're going to be oh, drinking yes. in the future. And then we thought we'd uh, bring it forward just so that there is a, a domestic sort of aspect to the conversation and talk about possibly, if you have one, mm. your espresso coffee machine in your kitchen and why you need to maintain that to get a good cup of coffee. Yep. So that's eat it for today, but... Before we do go on, I have to mention the fact that, well, this is me bragging, I suppose. Mm. I had yumcha. <laughs> Where did you have this yumcha? I had yumcha at uh, Favourite Kitchen uh-huh. in Baronia Road, One Turner. One like, Turner, yes. Yeah, yeah, there's some awesome um, yumcha palaces, mm. I suppose you could call them. <laughs> Welcome to the Yumcha Palace. Yeah, out in the suburbs where there's a lot of space. It's yeah, good. yeah, parking's no worries. Yes, of course. That's really good. Uh, and a buddy of mine, uh, Tim Hennessy, who's uh, been on the show, if you ever need your espresso machine fixed with Espresso Rescue, he's your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had Yumcha with him and it was just... It's the first jump chair I'd had in about two years. It's, it's one. Of, there was a couple of things that I was craving during lockdown. I haven't satisfied them all yet, but one of yeah. the things was just a really good, crispy, crunchy prawn toast. As you would get at the start of a, of a good yum cha. Where'd you go for that? I went to Albert, Albert Park, Park Hotel. Albert Park Hotel. Yeah. It, that's uh, used and recommended by the people of Eden. Yes. Um, a bougie area, but great very, prices. Very bougie area, <laughs> but great, great sort of modern nouveau Chinese. But and you say, cha- Matt, can you feel the bouge? <laughs> yeah, man. But yum cha is another one. We haven't, we haven't booked ourselves a yum cha yet. Well, I'm very tempted to. The funny thing is, I uh, over the pandemic, I went to the freezer section of supermarkets and places yes. and got the hargao. Did you put them in the old air fryer? No. No? <laughs> no, steam. steam. Oh, I'm, thinking, uh, I'm thinking like a spring roll or something similar. You're just seeing if I'm paying attention. In those little 12 packs you get in aisle 12 at the supermarket. They work, but yeah. it's funny, the, the hargao just doesn't taste. And if you're wondering what hargao is, that mm. beautiful uh, prawn dumpling with the translucent... Yeah. Um, pastry that is just so magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't get into the other things that um, we <laughs> ate because those of a vegan and vegetarian persuasion might be disturbed. Yes. But let's just say they were very, very good for this omnivore. Yes. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Um, I'm You. Me. Because I've got something else after this that oh, I want to mention. I, I was a, gonna a bouquet sh- I want to throw. I was just going to uh, share a little lunch that I had in the city. And, Jesus, nice just to be able to go to the city and walk sort of, you know, mouth agape into shops <laughs> and go, oh, look at all the shiny things Shiny again. things, um, and which I can just walk out of well, if you pay. Yes. So we had a, a, just a really nice little quick lunch, no booking, just popped into the cellar bar there at the top end of Burke Street and had uh, an amazing beef ravioli. We're in and out within 40 minutes. Glass of wine. It was great. The only uh, thing what was that, happening with it? Oh, the only thing that was happening that, is? Was, that was ruining the ambiance was it was Saturday last week, and there was a, you know quite a few thousand people walking down Burke Street with placards with guillotines on them, which was not at all pleasant. 
but the food was amazing. And there was a, there was an aspect that I want to link to an, mm. another dish that I had during the week of um, of being out and about a bit. So this, outside the ravioli we had was beef ravioli, beautiful. But and here's the beefy the, goodness. The strange, well, not strange, but the interesting twist to mm. this is normally a beef ravioli. You think a tomato based sauce. Mm-hmm. This was a, a spinach sauce. It was bright green. And it was absolutely delicious and worked beautifully. At this time of year, you know, if the beef ravioli is a bit heavy. Yep. Uh, it really lightened things up. And you said, I know a thing or two about eating a, a good food with some, some interesting green sauce. Yeah, damn right. Um, I was uh, in the builder's arms to just touch base with my peeps there because yep. I haven't seen them. You might not know it, but I do trivia nights over – well, in the past, and I'm hoping that we might get to be able to do one in December. Mm. So I popped in for um, something to eat there, and I had an amazing bowl of pasta. It's like it was better than it should be. I mean, this was like <laughs> Tipo double O quality. Better than pasta has any right to be. Well, in a pub. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. It's, that's okay, true. but you know, one of and the especially best. by you know a bloke, a, a fabulous chef, mm. and it, it was um, the sort of elbows um, um, uh, regate. It was like I was saying to Matt, it's mm. like it was big enough so a pea could sit in it. So you, you were thinking it was almost like macaroni, but bigger. Yeah, but better. it was regate. It yeah, was yeah, yeah, sort, yeah. Of, sort of that. Um, and it had uh, pecorino on top, and it was sold as being with artichokes and lemon, mm. right? And it had pecorino, and it came, and it looked really, really good. But then there was this spooky bit underneath, and there was like about 30 mil mm-hmm. of nettle puree. Nettle puree. So chlorophyll to the max. Yeah, yeah. And just you mixed it all up, and it was... It was a really amazing bowl of pasta. So um, I commend that if you uh, build his arms. Mm. It's, uh, it's a really, really good bowl of pasta. It is 12-12. We need to get a move on. Let's do it. We're going to get Danny Valant on the line after these sponsorship announcements. Triple R. Uh, 12.13 and a half here at 3 Triple RFM. On the line we have Danny Valant. A very, very good afternoon to you this November afternoon. Hi. Hello, Cam. Hello, everybody. So good to be with you again. Ah, oh, we'm sorry we missed you last week, but uh, it's marvellous to get you. How have you been feeling knowing that you're a legend? <laughs> Uh, Cam, you embarrass me. Oh, well, we'll, we'll just get it out the way, shall we? Okay, so as you well know, because you were inducted into the Melbourne Food and Wine Legends Hall of Fame last year, uh, yeah, Melbourne Food and Wine uh, adds a, a few people to the list every year, people that they decide have contributed to the food world. And, yeah, I was really grateful to be part of the class of 21, along with some yeah. of some people that I admire greatly. Um, what so a list. This, this, yeah, well, it's it's been going since 1993, and these are people that I've written about and looked up to over the years, and to be numbered among them is really quite, oh, it's such an honour, so I, um, yeah, better, better not stuff it up, hey. It's, uh, it's pretty bloody overwhelming, but um, I have to say congratulations in all sincerity, Danny. It is so well-deserved, and I know you desperately want to move on to the other recipients, so uh, let's just say you're... You've been marvellous in all you've done over the years, but very, very, very much so over these difficult times. And we, I'd like to say I, I thank you for it. Well, thank, thank you so much, Cam. And, I mean, you know, I think as you've certainly proved, it's really important just to express your solidarity and share yeah. information when it comes to hand. And there's been such a, a torrent of... of info and rules for people to digest and get their heads around. So yeah. I've really been happy to try to help people sift through the information and also, you know, bang on about temporary visa holders. So yeah. I think those are the two things that if people kind of think about what I've been up to over the past two years, those are the things that stand out for me. And, um, yes. and yeah, I'm just, it's, yeah, well, I just, I love our, our restaurants. I love our food industry. We're so lucky in Victoria. And I think any little thing that I can do to help, I don't know, protect it and honour it and express my enthusiasm for it. It's, um, yeah, I'm super happy to do so. Yeah, with the, the and, and championing 
championing it. Um, let's talk about some of the others uh, that uh, have won uh, in no particular order. Um, well, let's maybe let's start with the, the chef, uh, Karen Martini. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, Karen, what an absolute legend. And she's definitely one of those people that I've really, you know, followed over the years and looked, looked up, up to. to. I yeah. just love the way that she thinks about food. Just the, She just manages to combine ingredients in concert with the season and just with such a beautiful touch. I think her food, you know, her recipes are so... Uh, you know, it's delicious to read that you just can't wait to cook them. And when you eat her food in a restaurant, it's just so expressive. She's got such a deft touch and also works with really great people. And just thinking about Hero at, at Federation Square now, which is working up. with, yeah, with Philippa Sibley. And yeah, they're just, just um, you know, and they've cooked together over the over the decades as well. It's just, she's such an um, important, integral part of the Melbourne food world and also just, you know, it's great to see, you know, these gun women, you know, running successful businesses and mm. having their fingers in various pies. So, yeah, super, um, yeah, I really, really am a big admirer of Karen. Tell, tell us about some of the others that um, that you admire and why. Well, Sharon Flynn hey. from The Fermentary uh, is... She's a good pal of mine, and we've done a couple of events together. She's just incredibly enthusiastic. She's, def- you know, one of the things that I love about working in food is that you are always learning, and I think it's... Sharon is one of those lifelong learners that is always so enthusiastic about, you know, building on her store of knowledge and then passing it on. She's she's a fantastic communicator, and I just think, you know, Melbourne's probably got a few billion, billion, billion more gut bacteria floating around <laughs> keeping us healthy thanks to Sharon. So, yes. yeah, big admirer of hers. Um, so, And Yost Backer, who I think you've got coming up on the show, yes. is, I mean, he he's, he's a change maker. He's changing the world for the better every single day. He's introducing new ideas into our, our society and into our minds and I think making sustainability really actionable. Um, he's, he's seen how important it is and how, how there's so much waste created through the food industry and he's, he's just done so much to shine a light on that and to actively change it. So, yeah, like hats off, hats off to him and it's, it's always, I'm always waiting to see what Yoda does next. He's just a legend. Yeah, <laughs> he's he, a legend officially he, now. He, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he really, really is. He, he's a man who uh, frequently makes my head explode. Uh, and yep. uh, one who they say, some say, is 10 years uh, ahead of his time, and uh, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, Otto Del Zotto, um, up there in the in the fabulous King Valley. Yeah, uh, look, I love Prosecco, and I think, you know, definitely, especially as it starts warming up, you just, just need Prosecco in the fridge at all times. It's a great way to start sure. a meal, and Otto, Otto Del Zotto and the Del Zotto family... <laughs> Have done, yeah. They're basically the the people that um, made prosecco a fixture on Victorian tables in Victorian glasses at Victorian events, and um, as well as other beautiful wines under the Dalzotto family labels. And yeah, it's it's awesome to see him acknowledged in this way. So yeah, I'll de- definitely it's an easy one. You know, you know what you're going to toast him with, don't you? Yes, I sure do. And um, I, if I can just paraphrase, um, I, I find him. Uh, a, a legend and a champion because of the incredible pivot that um, all those families or a lot of those families did in the King Valley, uh, moving from one crop to another and making wine their thing and getting us to change our drinking habits. And, yeah, I love Prosecco too. <laughs> and I, they make it very, very well. They do. There's, there's great Prosecco, you know, throughout the King Valley and certainly, yeah, there's is a shining example of it. Yep. Um, Trailblazer? Yeah. Uh, Jung and Che. Um, so Che, the six-seat Brunswick restaurant um, in, the, in an apartment, really uh, in and out of lockdowns, really took Melbourne, had Melbourne in its thrall, not that hardly anybody could go there, but I mm. think um, what Che's been doing in terms of, I guess, you know, helping us, um, helping people who don't already know about that, style of Korean food to really, you know, push our understanding of Korean food beyond, like, you know, uh, fried chicken and and the beer hall kind of snacks, which is awesome too, but just that really much more um, 
gentle, um, a lot of uh, fermented food. A lot of fermentation uh, very, there, yeah. Yeah, very expressive, um, very personal. So I think, yes, yeah, it's going to be amazing to see what she does next as she's moved to Santry Gully and opened up new premises that's, there. Yeah, that's going to be very, very interesting and, um, and one that may be um, tinged with more than a little bit of sadness, uh, local hero John Reid. Yeah, I mean, John Reid died from a brain tumour a few months ago. He was um, had Redbeard Bakery in Trentham. And I think the, the, he's a real pioneer in the sourdough community, and it really is a community, the bakers. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I have, you know, loved my... Occasionally get invited in to hang out with bakers, and they are just uh, such an incredible, earthy... Um, passionate community that you just you just absolutely know you're doing good when you bake sourdough bread with great flour. You know he did it in a, an incredible wood oven, the Scotch oven, just Scotch an incredible beast yeah. by itself. Just you know you're not you're not baking in an oven, you're baking in a building. Like it's just an incredible structure. And he's a really just a gorgeous, thoughtful, generous, gracious person and yeah I'm getting really emotional just thinking about him not being with us anymore so it's fantastic that he's been acknowledged in this way and and missed so much and mourned by so many um it would and 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 touched so many as well it would um has to be said and uh we eat better bread um one of the reasons is because of him it has to be said yeah Look, absolutely. He leaves an amazing legacy and, um, yeah, and and he's an amazing loss. Have I but missed he, anyone? He gave up so much. Yeah, um, I think we've got I everyone. Think, yeah, John Reid, well done, you, well done, you again. Uh, Yoast, Karen Martini, yes, we've got all those. Um, and uh, maybe before we leave you, Danny, we need to address the giant gorilla in the room. I sort of uh, likened it to Donkey Kong, uh, the intro of that, standing on the top, beating its breast. The problem. Staffing. Uh, yeah. So, look, it's so amazing that in Melbourne, hospitality, we're now pretty much restriction-free in terms of density and capacities. Like, we still, front of house staff are still wearing masks, so there's still that, which is an imposition. And, of course, you have to be vaccinated to dine in Victorian restaurants. Um, So there's that. But everyone can welcome as many people as they can fit into their businesses. The the thing, you know, that's great, but the problem that so many people are facing is they don't have the staff to to um, cater to the demand and that's a really tricky thing for businesses who are trying to recover from so much time shut down. It's um, something that I've worked, you know, been really digging into in a couple of stories and um, just a quick shout out to Besha Rodell who's launched A Plus a hospo, online hospo magazine um, with Right Angle Studio and Asahi that have, um, are funding this independent uh, mm. food journalism and I wrote a story on staffing for that and I've also got a, sto- a story on staffing coming up in Good Food on Tuesday. How do we find it's that? A- Let me just hold you up there for a sec, Danny. How do we find this publication, this new publication? Uh, it's the name of it's A plus. Although I did Google A plus and I didn't find it, but um, I'll, I'll put it on my I'll put it in my um, in my Instagram. I'll put it in my links in bio. So okay. I'll put a link there. Well, that's easy um, to find. Danny Valant one in, and you will yep. find it. Yep, <laughs> that's me. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's a big issue. It's got to do with there's so many different aspects to it. I suppose the the biggest simplest. Uh, explanation is that so many people from overseas left Australia because they weren't looked after during 2020. So there is a big hole and we haven't had that annual influx of students Mm. and um, backpackers and the skilled migrant intake has also stopped. That'll slowly come back, but there's so much else in HOSPO that still needs to be addressed. Um, And, you know, you can look at it from the uh, it's, there's, it's still a landscape where compliance is uh, patchy. So when I'm um, talking about, you know, working conditions and and, and um, paying according to the award, that does happen in a lot of places, but there are also a lot of places where it doesn't, and that can wear people down. Um, you know, a lot of people that work in HOSPO had lockdown 
as thinking time and some people have left the industry. So there is a real skills drain in that sense. And something else that's come up again and again as I've talked to hospital workers is that customers are just not always nice. And as one <laughs> really? um, worker, yeah, apparently, <laughs> as one worker said to me, this week, every night is a battle. And you just think, that is, really? everyone's depleted and drained. Like, we really need to be filling the cups of hospitality workers that we come into contact with, yeah. not making it harder for them. They've got a greater burden of compliance with, you know, checking vaccine passports and all that stuff, as well as the extra cleaning. Um, and, you know, they're just as tired as anyone else, especially the visa holders who are still not able to leave the country and then come back. So... You know, lots of people I've been speaking to, you know, they want to go back to family in Turkey or in Spain or in Israel, you know, for, mm. for the holidays just to hug their parents um, or, you know, hug the nieces and nephews that they've never met. But yeah. if, they, if they leave the country, they're not allowed back in. That's wrong. It's unfair. It's discriminatory and it needs to change. Uh, it also means that we – it also – it's part of it contributes to a skills shortage um so you know on every level that needs to be that needs to be addressed but look hospitality is a tough industry it's not easy for anybody um and you know the fewer people that are working in it the harder it is for those that are left so i mean particularly owners and who then, can and then work they get 100... abused yeah. and uh, by by customers is for again a lot of them for that might be the last straw well, it's, so it maybe is, you should be is. nicer to your people that serve you because they might not be around. Well, I think definitely be nicer. I'm sure everyone listening to this show is super nice already. So we might be, you know, I'm, That's you know, I know, I know your audience is is like gorgeous and gets it, but mm. apparently some people don't. Um, and I think also, you know, what we are seeing is there's a lot of inexperienced staff. So we also need to remember that and just everyone needs to be really patient when they're dealing with people who, you know, it might it's their first summer on the job. Um, yeah. And they might not have the experienced hands around them and who have the time to train them. So it's it's tough. And But, mm. you know, my, my story on Tuesday is very solutions-focused, just looking at what people are doing to make it happen and make it work for them, make it work for their customers. And, look, there are positives that can come out of it if it means that there's, you know, higher wages and which should translate to higher menu prices um, that people need to people need to understand, you know, the money has to come from somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, training training school leavers, you know, there, there are lots of people doing lots of work to, to um, address it, but it's, um, yeah, in, in a lot of ways it's not a quick fix. No, it isn't. So uh, that uh, just to reiterate, that article will be coming out in The Age on Tuesday. So uh, look out for that. HOSPO people, uh, general public, uh, it's all of interest to us. Uh, and again, I just want to say one more time, congratulations, legend. It is so well-deserved um, on your legend status. And we thank you, as always, for taking the time to chat with us on a Sunday, Danny. It's always so good to talk to you. Um, yeah, have a great Sunday. Thanks so much for the show, Cam. Ah, oh, right back at you. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Born in the Netherlands. To a dad who had his feet firmly set in great soil, this man described variously as the florist, the designer, the builder, installation artist, prophet, polymath, sustainability campaigner, echo warrior, brain exploder, <laughs> and now dead set legend, Yost Baker. G'day, mate. How are you, Cam? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. What am yeah. I supposed to say now? Here you go. Yes, my son. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> hey, how you going? You feel different? Uh, yes, definitely. I'm in a field of peony roses right now. My brother's... Oh, wow. What colours? They, they look so good and they smell so good. What's a peony rose for those who have never seen one? It's uh, a plant, a flower that is almost impossible. Well, it is impossible to grow out of season. So it's one of those rare, mm. beautiful flowers that originates in China yeah. and they are out there best and in season right now and people kind of go a bit crazy for them but you can only get them now so many petals 
Yeah. Well, they can have. Yeah. Yeah. They're, no, they're, they are a absolutely beautiful thing. But uh, yeah, we need to uh, just acknowledge and say well done with your sustainability award. Well, that sounds good, man. I don't know what you're doing there. Um, sustainability award with uh, uh, becoming a legend in the eyes of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. So, bloody good on you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether that's deserved, but anyway. Yeah, I, no, it is. Just go. Yeah, thank you. And it, it is. Yeah. So please, don't don't go don't go there, ghost. Okay, I won't. I won't. Thanks, mate. Um, now, I wanted to first of all, what else have you been doing, and what have you been up to? Uh, well, we 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 um, the the project Future Food System. Um, we decided to change our what we were doing and our approach. As you know, it's tiny. It's a very, very small building. Mm. And um, doing tours and doing dinners and Matt and Joe living there was making it really difficult. And uh, people were getting really frustrated that they couldn't get into it. Well, first of all, lockdown has stopped us from doing tours. Yes. And so we've decided to um, focus a lot more on tours. And um, Matt and Joe have moved out and, uh, and uh, Matt has actually gone up to Byron Bay I'm so jealous. He's sending photos every day of the beach and the weather and fruit and veg. And, um, and Joe's um, uh, decided to hang around and help us uh, till the end of the year. And um, we're doing as many tours as we can and get as many people through as we can. And I'm so excited that you're going to help us with this um, because, yeah, I know for many people it's been really frustrating. Like, we've put tours up and they go really quickly. So over the next six months till the end of April... Uh, we'll be doing tours, and I'm really, really excited to get as many people through as I can. Well, I've been really, really honoured to do this collaboration with you. And yes, we, uh, uh, I'm doing tours on the Saturdays, so uh, we can show you around the place and give an idea of the place. Because I was so interested in the ideas that underpin the place and the physicality of watching the place be built. Um, so, yeah, I got to see it from a construction site to realised new abode, abode of the future, uh, with so many interesting ideas in it. And i got to thank you for the fact that because I've been allowed to do the tours with you, I'm starting to get a really, really great holistic understanding of all the systems that underpin it. And... They are varied and uh, quite profound. Well, uh, yeah, I just, I really genuinely believe it's a, a, a realistic alternative. As you know, the, the food system is under huge pressure. The existing food system, the existing food system, is not sustainable. Yeah. And um, I, I think that there's a really serious alternative that hasn't been properly considered. And urban food makes so much sense. Mainly, uh, the main reason is that an urban food system can utilise all this waste that we currently generate and reincorporate it and turn it back into food so you can get a closed system, which is, you know, what nature has always done. We are the only species that generates waste. And I think having a food system that is part of our... Uh, well, looking at a house as an ecosystem and, and uh, a place that actually mimics nature and utilises all the resources that we generate, whether it's the steam from the shower, mm. the, the water from the heat pump, um, what goes down our toilet, the organic waste generate, you know, there's a real opportunity to and potential to create millions, I believe, millions of jobs and and turn our, our urban areas into massive productive spaces that are not only great and sustainable, but they're much more beautiful places to be in and to live in. And, and you know, I, I think uh, something as simple as an aquaponics system, you know, uh, there's so much debate at the moment about the amount of fish that are caught in the ocean. It's now surpassed 50% for the first time in human history. We catch more fish in our oceans for fish food that get ground up on boats into pallets and get sold as food for fish farms. And I don't think uh, people are really realising this. And so there's not nothing really sustainable about catching wild fish and then turning that wild fish into fish food for fish farms. And people buying farm fish thinking it's more sustainable because they weren't caught in the ocean, but they don't realise 
you know, it takes a couple of kilos of farm, of, of wild caught fish to get one kilo of farmed fish. And yeah, one thing that we've realised with this system is, you know, if if we could potentially in a city like Melbourne have millions of urban systems that could produce yabbies and trout and barramundi and and um, you know so many different species that we haven't even explored, and our our food waste and our our waste that we currently generate it's a worms and those worms are the perfect food for these trout mm. and again closing the system and you get these delicious um you know it's not about less i think it's actually about much more and for me this is such exciting opportunity and what's even more exciting is that we've um over the last few weeks as you know um you were you were part of the first one with raymond capaldi i'm inviting people that meet me in melbourne and and have been part of my my life and have supported me and and inviting them to the house to explore and create a dish and and Raymond didn't just create one dish; he created enough food to feed an army. But um, thirty of them, it seemed. Oh, how was that eggplant dish? And you know the the broth that he made, and you know with the asparagus, the raw and cooked asparagus, and mm-hmm. and then on Friday we had Stephanie Alexander in, which was just an absolute, you know, uh, just an amazing experience for me because she's had such an influence on my work and and my kids through her kitchen garden program, you know, so to have her in the house and and, and create, and she made mayonnaise out of the girls, you know, and one of the, one of our chickens are called Maggie and Stephanie. Yes. She thought I was joking. Yeah, no, no, that's what they've been called. <laughs> and then she beautiful mayonnaise from scratch from these eggs and lemons from the house and, and you know, with Joe Barrett um, helping her, it was a very special moment and yeah next week we've got Andrew McConnell and you know there's so many people that have been so influential on uh, uh, for me and to get them involved in the house and explore and and use skills is going to be for me a really exciting uh, time over the next six months before it gets moved to Mombok and becomes my mum's house yeah and you know it's, it's funny thing you know, that there's there's so many forces um, that try and uh, the vested interests that uh, would profit from separating us from the food supply. And as you say, how the food uh, system can be one of the most destructive in the world. And uh, by taking these little steps to, uh, uh, to our own food independence, um, there are so many, so many benefits, aren't there? Well, I mean, it's better tasting food is the most obvious one. And the science know about you know the 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 energy that's lost from a from a food within sixty hours well most of the food that we eat is more than sixty hours since harvest easily and so that idea of harvesting something and eating it straight away or it, you know it for me is is a, something that we need to go back to and something that we've done for hundreds of thousands of years I know. and there's only been that intervention in the last couple of hundred it's uh it's uh, in so many ways not right. All right, let's give a shameless plug to uh, to the tours. Um, how do they find out about it, Yoast, and book in? So you can go onto my um, Instagram account. It's in my profile, uh, a link to the Eventbrite booking, and um, also on our website, Future Food System. There's mm. also a brilliant... If you can't make it to the house, um, there's a brilliant augmented reality tour. So you can actually do a tour and... Um, it's done by the, the Melbourne guys, Foria. They've created lots of amazing videos and content explaining every single detail from the walls that are made from straw mm. uh, to the batteries to, you know, the soil that's gone into the, the, the barrels that are made from... So every single element is discussed in detail. And, uh, but as you know, there's nothing quite like seeing the house for real and being in it and, you know, smelling smelling the... the yeah, it doesn't smell like a conventional house, that's for sure. It smells like you're walking into a forest, and that was my goal from the from the get-go. So I think that if you can uh, make a tour, if you can't make it before Christmas, don't stress, we'll be doing lots of tours in the new year. And I think, you know, from a you, you bring a whole different um, experience to it because you look at it with fresh eyes, and so to get a tour done by you, I think, is something that 
lots of people are going to look forward to. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing lots of people. That's one of the the other great things about coming out of lockdown is just being able to interact with people again. I've just uh, it's been a great honour, and I'm really so happy to do this collaboration with you, Yosanam. But most importantly, I and on behalf of the listeners to the show and Matt nodding of the head, um, just want to applaud you for your work and uh, your vision and your tenacity. So, Yost, you rock. We love you. Thank Huge you. Huge hug to you. And I'll see you Thank next you. Saturday, and I hope to see it's other people as well. It's not just me. It's, uh, it's the space allows like-minded people to come. And one of the favourite things about the tours is how much I've learned from the tours. And... Um, there's so much knowledge out in our community about different ways. And a lot of people say, where do we find out this information? Often it's just getting to know your neighbour mm. who could be growing tomatoes and has possibly grown tomatoes their whole life. Or, you know, and that's, this is really just like a magnet for, for like-minded people. And, um, yeah, I, there's so yeah. many stories I tell about the people that have come on tours that I've learned so much from. So I really appreciate Melbourne's support for my projects and the people that have helped me make it a reality. A vindication of why we live in this town because of all those LMIs, the like-minded individuals. Thank you, Yost. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Thanks, Matt. Yost Baker. So, uh, yeah, go to the website and book in. I'd love to see you next Saturday, Mm. uh, 12.46. Oh, we're running late. We are a bit. We should go to some sponsorship. Sponsorship, and then we we might play the thinking, drinking theme. We'll see what happens. Triple R. 12.48 here. We're running a little bit late, so therefore we're not going to do the thinking, drinking <laughs> no, thing. No, but it's good because we needed about oh, 90 seconds more to try and tee up our next guest. Mm-mm. And we think we've got him on the Zoom. We think we have. He's dressed in glorious blue. He's looking good. He's showered. He's not quite shaved, though. But that's okay. It's Sunday. Right. Justin Metcalf, international man of coffee mystery. How the hell are you? I am very well, Cam. How are you? Ah, oh, good. Well, I'm just actually just delighted the technology is working because <laughs> it's always a little bit of a, um, a gut rush. Um, I'm going to get straight into it. We gave an in- intro at the beginning of the show of why you are such a worthy person to talk about the world of coffee. And um, we thought it'd be a good time to maybe connect and have a chat about, well, where we are. We're in 2021. Uh, coffee, one of the, the biggest traded commodities after water and oil, I think, is is where it's at. And uh, there are threats, but there are opportunities. And uh, where are we at with the supply of coffee, and how does that affect the cost of the cup in the uh, the cup in front of us? Well, it's an interesting topic because it's obviously in the media. It's been what the last twelve months we've been talking a lot about um, the increase of coffee. And Mm. bear in mind, Cam, that there's five-plus billion cups of coffee sold in Australia alone, um, which is quite incredible. Five billion. Yeah. Okay, I have no no way of imagining that, not even using the matrix thing, which I I sometimes (laughs) use. We want coffee, lots of coffee, but that doesn't even go to... to, Yeah, so a lot of coffee. So we were going to speak last week, um, and unfortunately we couldn't. But last week, uh, the commodity market settled at $2.11 per pound US. Hmm. And just in this one week, it's gone up 22 cents. So it's now at $2.33 per pound and rising and heading towards the the $3 a pound US, which is quite phenomenal. And and. We were discussing this again last week, and I'm sorry we couldn't speak last week, but uh, uh, one of the effects, of course, is uh, climate and uh, the effects of climate and what has been happening in one of the biggest producers of the bean uh, is in Brazil, and they've had the double whammy of not only having drought but then frost. Yes, correct. Um, That's probably wiped out... um Potentially around thirty-five percent of their harvest uh, for for this year coming, um, which is was which is obviously catastrophic for them, um, you know. And then coupled up with a combination of um, not being able to get pickers, um, the processing of the coffee, hmm. and of course, as you probably touched on before, a little bit about uh, logistics, um, which has really um, hurt 
hurt the um, hurt the worldwide economy. It certainly yeah. has. So yeah, it's it's a it's it's a it's an issue. It's a real problem, and people need to really understand that. And if we sort of use um, a wine analogy, I don't know if this is useful. We can think in a, in Australia we have um, uh, the Riverlands, which which grows bucket loads of wine for you know the uh, the mass market, the you know the goon market. Some could say uh, if we were unkind, and maybe Brazil isn't quite in that, but that's sort of the the big one. But one of the things about you, Justin, that I've admired is that you've spent the time and taken the time and packed your suitcase and gone down dusty roads into small plantations to support the little guys um, and these are continuing relationships you have. How are you finding those and um, how, how are they going with growing the beans in these other countries and areas? Well, uh, as you know, Cam, I spend a, quite a lot of time in Asia and that ASEAN region is really... Uh, have has been struggling for a number of years, and mm. that's that's uh, well before COVID in regards to just pure education for farmers on how to to manage the husbandry of the of the products. And yep. um, you know, from my point of view, the contacts that I have, and I I speak to many people uh, that are that are growers themselves, that are actually producers. Um, they they are all saying the same thing, and then that. Is that the seasons are changing? Um, they're they're being picked late. They're being picked early. Uh, mm. It's having an effect, a large effect on the yields. Um, the, the prediction at the moment is that the arabica species um, globally will have a probably a twelve year low in regards to the availability of products. So these guys are, are really struggling. Um, they're struggling because a lot of the NGOs that normally go up there and help um, them, you know, better educate themselves to get better yields and not available because of COVID. Yep. Um, a lot of these guys are walking away from their coffee crops and finding something else that's an immediate cash cash cow for them. So this yeah, is, growing, uh, growing coffee is not that easy. I mean, the, the, you know, one of the, the ones you could do that is maybe harder than that, and, oh, my God, you've got to just wait for the yields, is growing vanilla. Uh, which is, yes. you know, in that same sort of uh, band, and uh, we, we won't, won't even get into how hard vanilla is, but it's a tricky bean to get in a in a sack. Yes, it is. It's a it's a very very lengthy process uh, to get your raw coffee to a coffee roaster for mm. a long period of time, um, and takes many hands. And once you've experienced going to multiple uh, countries where they produce. Uh, whether it's Brazil or then you go to Indonesia, the differences in how they handle and process the coffee, there's many, many hands that are involved and your respect grows every year for the amount of work uh, the normal farmer would do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Glass half full. Um, We've chatted before. I'm, I'm got to visit you in one of those things coming out of lockdown. It was awesome to see you up there at the at the factory. But uh, the rise and uh, the rise of robusta clones uh, that might fill in the gap of the Arabica. Yeah, I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago yeah. where uh, even just recently um, we had the World Barista Championships in Europe and one of the Australian guys used a hybrid Robusta Arabica bean, which has been around for many, many years, no, mm. no question about that. Um, but I think the, the, the general word is that um, if the plant's going to survive, we, we need to look at uh, improving the qualities of Robusta, but also looking at uh, hybrids of those Arabica and Robustas together mm. Um that give us a greater yield, but also give us a nice, uh, smooth, clean cup um, and and process differently. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it, you know, Robusta is also a plant that's suffering in this climate as well. Um, it's, of course, a lot more hardier, but uh, problem is that you can't sometimes beat the climate change. So yeah. we just got to keep working. And I know in Asia with me being part of the ASEAN Coffee Federation, and all of our members are growers. Um, 
they are working diligently on uh, joining with other groups to try and improve all of those aspects of it. Hmm. So, yeah. It sounds depressing, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. Oh, well, what I'm. Uh, we. The, 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 the one thing that. Um, even though uh, part of the problem that brings us here is that we have resisted change and resisted reality in so many ways, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but how what, how do you feel in your gut uh, about where we're at and the future going forward? I think at the moment, um, of course, coffee is going to be available for everyone. Um, mm. But I think what we've got to expect um, is price rises. I think we've got to stop resisting that that's going to happen. Yes. Um, you know, growers, farmers need money. Um, they need they need to be sustainable, and for them to be sustainable, it costs a lot of money to grow coffee. It takes a lot of human hands to make coffee. Um, we've got to have that expectation that, of course, with COVID hitting, that's really um, exemplified. Uh, all of these aspects and sort of brought it more to more to you know the general public's knowledge yeah. that there's going to be increases in your cup of coffee when you go to cafes in the new year in the first quarter of next year where as roasters and as as coffee buyers can't keep absorbing um, the prices and we want to pay the farmers a fair price for good coffee and I think, you know, you can go out and buy a martini for $25. Why can't you go out and buy a good, decent coffee for, you know, $7, $8, which is, you know, comparable to me. Wow. Yeah, okay. Wow. Well, uh, that is a, an interesting thing to be uh, to finish up on. Uh, Justin, um, thank you for your time, buddy. And uh, yeah, maybe what we might do is we'll, we'll get you on again soon because we were going to talk about uh, uh, maintenance of your own espresso machine at home and uh, the importance of cleaning it. But we might do that some other time if that's okay. No, that's fine. And it's good to hear the dynamic duo of you and Matt <laughs> together again, which is fantastic. No, it's great to have you as the, uh, the part of the Holy Trinity, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> the, the father, Pleasure. the son, and the coffee ghost. <laughs> uh, Justin, love your work. Thank you for your integrity and uh, all you do in regard to the bean. And we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And love to the family too, of course. Uh, you have been listening to Eat It on 3 Triple RFM. Um, what have I got coming up? Well, mm. we might talk about that next week because yeah. we really just haven't got the time. But I can say yes. to you, Matt Stephen, yes, it's a joy to see your smiling face. Likewise. Sorry about last week, folks, but uh, because of our integrity and the protocols, that's what happened last week. Still Here is coming up next. Be a part of the afternoon. You wouldn't mm. want to miss it, would you? No. Bye. <laughs> see ya. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. <laughs> <laughs>